This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed, your weekly hour of old-time radio crime, which you can find every Wednesday at relicradio.com. Don't forget, if you'd like to help support this and all of the podcasts, you can donate through the website or visit donate.relicradio.com. You're how this show keeps coming every week, thanks to those who have helped out. We're going to start off this week with the adventures of Philip Marlowe and hear the young man's fancy, his story from August 18, 1951. After that is the adventures of Sam Spade and the deathbed caper, his story from June 20th, 1948. Get this and get it straight. Crime is a sucker's road. Those who travel it wind up in the gutter, the prison, or the grave. There's no other end, but they never learn. From the pen of Raymond Chandler, outstanding author of crime fiction, comes his most famous character in The Adventures of Philip Marlowe. Now, with Gerald Moore, starred as Philip Marlowe, we bring you tonight's transcribed story, The Young Man's Fancy. It was another scorcher with smog yet. The angels that flapped their wings over the sleepy little pueblo of Los Angeles were taking a summer hiatus. I thought about the blue Pacific some 15 miles to the west where the friendly waves will snap your back if you happen to hit the undertow just right. So I decided on some three-part harmony instead. Part one, vodka. I had that. But no parts two and three, the limes and ginger beer. So before you could say Moscow Mule, I was heading for the shopping district that's about a five-minute walk from the apartment. I made it quicker. I drove. Alex's fruit stall gets all my lime business. Partly because the limes are good, but mostly because of Alex. All that's kind and gentle is housed in the square frame of Alex Lesnovich. His tanned old face is creased around the mouth and eyes from smiling. Deep-set, dark eyes that look out at you from under bushy gray brows and laugh. Yeah, that's Alex all the time. Except this particular morning. Oh, oh is Mr. Marlowe? Well, hello? Hot day is. Hot day is. <laughs> heat got you, Alex? Oh, no, no, not the heat. I think I go to my chair, rock a bit. You find what you want. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not sick, are you? Uh, sick some. Yes. Uh, Alex is sick fellow. I... Have you seen a doctor? No, no, no doctor. Alex is sick in the heart here. Oh. No doctor can fix, Mr. Marlowe. Someone else could fix, but no doctor. You want to tell me about it, Alex? I will go to my chair and rock and think. You find what you want. Yeah. Hey, the limes look good. Yeah. Yeah, is. How much? Sign says no. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. Hey, does it get this hot in Yugoslavia? Maybe. It's long time since I was there. Yeah? Thirty years, or maybe. It's not changed there now. Weather, too, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Dad. Oh, Dom. Dominic, where have you been? Hello, Dad. Oh, hi, Mr. Marlowe. Hi, Dom. All night, I wonder what you oh, were. Oh, look, Dad, let's not start that all over again, will you? I'm of age. Oh, it's... Babe, the only big fellow with small years. Don't give me that stuff. I'm sick of it. Just came back to get some things and some money, so you might as well get the cash drawer Here now, that's enough. You do not come here just when suits you and tell your father what he will do and what he will not do. Look, Dad, I'm, I'm tired of fighting with you. Come on to the back of the stall. We don't have to drag anyone else into this. I was pretty much of a third wheel. I didn't get it. I didn't want to. Alex and son Dominic boxed the next few rounds almost out of earshot. I heard old Alex mutter something finally, go to the cash register and get Dom the money. Shortly after that, Dom shot past me and down the street. I stood there like a fool, squeezing a half a dozen limes. You... Did you find what you want, Mr. Marlowe? Yeah, yeah, Alex, these will be fine. Thank you. 
Thank you very much. Alex. Yeah. Well, if you need any help, you know where to find me, huh? Thank you very much, Mr. Marlowe. But if Alex has troubles, Alex works them up. Sure, sure you will. I'll see you. That was quite a conversation you had, Mr. Marlowe. How are you? Yeah, fine. How are you, Miss Gabrielle? I'm boiling over, that's how I am. Yeah, well, it's hot. Oh, that's not what I mean. My blood's boiling. What I got left, that is. Doctor says I'm anemic, you know. No, I didn't know. I just want to get some ginger beer, Last huh? Last time I was in for a checkup, he thought I never was going to find any red corporals. White corporals I'm loaded with, he says, but red ones... Corpuscles. Not... How's that? Corpuscles, that's the word, not corporals. Oh, well, I don't see it makes much difference. Oh. I don't have any red ones, no matter what you call them or how you spell them. Yeah, well, I thought maybe about six bottles of ginger beer, if you have it cold, please. I, uh, saw you next door at Alex's. Yeah, well, I got limes there. Now, if I could just have the ginger beer... Well, you suppose you... it's got into that Dom. I don't know, really. Well, something has. I heard Alex say plain as day Dom hadn't been home all night. And I'll tell you one thing. That's not the first time this has happened. Been going on all the live long summer. I wouldn't know about that. I just... And another thing, that flower stand of his, you know, the one he used to run right there in the front of Alex's stall, where is it gone? Six bottles of gin. I'll tell you where. It's a rack and ruin. And first of the summer, he's running like always, doing a nice little trade, too. Then it gets so he's not coming home. And the flowers are wilting and dying. Not smelling too refreshing either. Please. So one morning I see old Alex carting the whole kit and caboodle out to the incinerator at the alley. And that's the end of the flower business. You know, I knew it was going to be hot when I first woke up this morning. And I thought that about six bottles of ginger beer would help a lot. Oh, you wanted ginger beer. Well, why didn't you say so? I'm just shy. I'm shy. Oh. Well, I bet you're going to make up a batch of those, um, what are they? Moscow mules. Oh, well, uh, that's 93. I'm giving you credit for the bottles I know you got, which you never take the trouble to return. Thank you. I got to bring them back. Oh, thanks. You know what I think, don't you? I have a pretty good idea. Well, I think Alex has had his share of trouble. And now, Dom, acting for all the world like one of them delinquents you read about, well, here's to me the nearest thing to a blessing that Alex can count is Helena. Helena? Oh, yeah. I don't suppose you remember her, do you, Mr. Marlowe? Well, sir, as beautiful a girl as you'd ever care to see. Lovely. And I mean lovely in every way. She went to that secretarial school, you know. Took a nice job up in San Francisco. I understand she's just doing real well, too. Writes to Alex just as regular and is just a lovely person. I mean... Yeah, I remembered Helena. No red-blooded man who had all his corporals would ever forget her. Quiet little thing, dark, radiant, with Alex's deep-set black eyes. The kind that laughed. Yeah, I remembered her voice, too. Soft. Just the right amount of huskiness. It had been about three years, I guess, since I'd seen her. That would make her somewhere in her early twenties now, and that would make her even lovelier. By the time I got to my car, I'd half forgotten about old Alex and Dom. I pulled out of the parallel parking spot, and before I reached the corner, I was in the proper lane, minding my own business. Hey! Oh, nice work! Hit and run, huh? All the idiots. That's all I need. One more crack in the seat, Hey, did you see that, Mr. Marlowe? We didn't even stop! Yeah, that much I noticed. Glad you keep your service station so handy, Nick. Yeah, yeah, you know who it was, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The darn fool cut right in front of you from the wrong lane. I'll show be a witness for you, Mr. Marlowe. Thanks, Nick. Tell me, was that Alex's car Dom was driving? Yeah. Hmm. Now, take a look at the heap here. You think you can fix it up? Yeah, sure I can. Looks like he just scraped along the side. The fender's curled under there, but... <clears throat> I think we can knock that out for you in no time. Oh, good. Of course, if you want that paint touched up, that's going to take some time. No, no, skip the paint for now, huh? Hey, Nick, uh, you and Dom are pretty good friends, aren't you? Well, I used to think so. I, I don't see much of Dom anymore. He's, uh, I don't know, he's screwy or something. What do you mean? Well, like that trick he just pulled, running in here and driving on. He didn't used to be like that. Well, what do you think's happened to him, or do you know? 
Well, whatever it is, it's happened since we got out of school last spring. All of a sudden, he doesn't come around anymore. Nobody in the gang sees him, and when we do, you know, we meet him on the street or something, he just sort of looks down, he says, hi, and he keeps on going. Uh-huh. Okay, if I park there, Nick. But don't bet you can park there. I'll pay you when I get back. Hey, you dirty... There's Dom's friend, Mr. Marlowe. Only guy he sees anymore. That truck driver? Yeah, making his daily delivery, I see. Delivering himself to Solly's bar. Half the time, Dom goes there with him. He does, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, you see what you can do with the car, Nick, just so I can drive it okay, huh? Sure, sure, Mr. Marlowe. Bud's here today. Between us, we can fix it in a hurry. Okay, I'll be back in a few minutes. See how you're doing. Swell. Oh, and Nick. Yeah, yeah. Nick, come here. I'm going to tell Alex it was my fault. Now, I don't want him worrying about it, so... Don't make a liar out of me, huh? Nah, nah, sure not, Mr. Marlowe. Only Dom doesn't deserve it. Maybe not. But Alex does. But I don't care about the car. The car, Dom is all right. He's not hurt. No, no, Dom's fine, Alex. He was, well, he was in a hurry. He drove on to wherever he was going. Oh, oh, that's good that Dom is not hurt. Yeah, I just thought I'd tell you. It was my fault, and whatever damages there are, you let me know, huh? Oh, oh if anything, I let you know. You, you don't worry, Mr. Marlowe. You just drive more carefully next time, no? Yeah. Yeah, I will, Alex. Oh, look, please, look, look, look. What is just coming? What? <laughs> you know, the excitement, I almost forgot. Look, it's letter from Helene. Oh, swell. How is she? Oh, it's fine, just real fine. It's worked very hard, she mm-hmm. said, feel very good, and it's yeah. someday, maybe soon, come down to Seattle. Oh, that's fine. Is she still in San Francisco? Oh, yeah, and it's like the very much. Uh-huh. But Mrs. Papa and Dom, and his Marlo. Papa and Dom miss Helene. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh, when Helena comes, everything again is all right. I, I get letter almost every other day, two, three times a week. Oh, that's swell. Well, I got to see about my car, Alex, and remember, let me know what I did to yours. Oh, huh? yes, yes, if it's anything, I shall. And you remember now, you try much more carefully, Mr. Marlowe. Huh? Right? He's got the responsibility to other fellows. He's right. He's right. Alex was feeling better. Helena's letter had given him something else to think about for a while. On the way back to Nick's service station, I ignored Miss Gabrielle's nose, which was pressed flush with the free ice cube sign in her window. You know, with very little effort, I could have no use for that type female... Well, Nick said the car would take about ten minutes. I figured a beer would just about take as long. The sign said Salty's Bar, no dogs allowed. Bottle of beer, mister. Bottle of beer. Any kind, just so it's cold. Okay, here you go. Thanks. I'll pay you as soon as I can see. You keep it pretty dark in here, huh? Psychology. Tell more booze that way. Don't ask me why. I won't. Ah. Anybody mention the jukebox is a little loud? Yeah, I have. They either can hear or they like it that way. They? You'll see him when your eyes get used to the place. The guy's played the record nine times now. She's still not sold. Yeah. Well, some days you get nowhere. Hey, can I have another beer, Sully? Yeah, sure, Carl. Carl, the truck driver, Nick pointed out to me. He was seated two stools down at the bar. I noticed him for the first time just before he ordered the beer... He was a big guy. Even sitting down, he had a placid-looking face, the kind you could never tell anything about. He looked at me for a moment and then over to the couple in the booth by the jukebox. The expression on his face didn't change as he calmly slid off the bar stool, went over to the jukebox, reached around to the back, and turned down the volume. Hi! What's the idea? It's too loud. Yeah, well, it's my nickel, sir. It's your nickel. Sit down. Ah! Well, I will! That's... <laughs> Thanks, fella. Yeah, okay. Carl. Oh, that's you, isn't it, Carl? Yeah, Dom, come on, sit down. I wondered where you were. Oh, I had some trouble, but I got some money. Yeah. What kind of trouble? Your dad? No, I just... Well, if it isn't old Snooper himself. Look, Mr. Marlowe, I don't need any assist from you. I wouldn't be too sure, Don. Maybe you thought it was a bright idea blabbing that fancy story to my dad. Well, I don't go for it, you see. Okay, you don't go for it. You, uh, 
Giving the kid here a bad time, mister? Get lost. He's a professional snooper, this guy. He's already shot his face off to my dad about me. You shouldn't have done that, mister. Hey, you guys, take it easy. No brawling in here. Take your hands off me. Don't let go, all right? Mister! Your first mistake. Come on now, break it up, break it up. Stop. Put down that bottle. I'll break it up. Oh. You're crazy, little fool. In just a moment, we will return to the second act of Philip Marlowe. But first, the flood that swept the Midwest, swept thousands from their homes, businesses, and farms. The Red Cross asks your contribution now through your local Red Cross chapter. The relief and rehabilitation job will take months, perhaps years. Now with our star, Gerald Moore, the second act of Philip Marlowe, and tonight's story, The Young Man's Fancy. It was a wild dream. My head was a punching bag, and fighters with plate glass fists were taking turns cracking my skull. It hurt like fury. Miss Gabrielle was pelting me with free ice cubes. The band played Come On to My House, and someone started mopping my face with a cool, damp cloth that smelled of beer and bourbon. Yeah, he's coming around. I don't know why, though. Oh. I'm really oh. conked him. How are you, Mr. Marlowe? Now, there's a stupid question. Oh, Nick, how'd you get here? Well, they came and got the truck, Carl and Dom. I saw them out here. I figured something had happened. Uh, hey, I'm sure sorry, Mr. Marlowe. Yeah, so am I. Hey, Nick. Huh? What's the name of that company Carl drives for? The uh, Intercity Produce Company. Uh-huh. Alex buys stuff from him. I guess that's how Dom knows him. Are you, uh, you going to tell the police, Mr. Marlowe? No, not yet, Nick. That's two counts on Dom today. You're sure letting him get by with murder. <laughs> No, Nicky boy, I draw the line there. Oh, here, have a drink. Oh, thanks. I thought you said this was the glass joint, Elvis. Well, I thought it was, baby. We are taking our trade elsewhere, Mac. Now you think of it. You have a real stylish clientele, Salty, real stylish. You're feeling good enough to crack wise? You're feeling good enough to get out of here? Hey, wait a minute. Take it easy, Nick. Salty's right. I just don't want no trouble. You got no trouble. Come on, Nick. I couldn't have walked better if I had the bends. I managed to get into my car at Nick's service station. He checked all 96 Los Angeles area phone directories for me, and Carl wasn't listed. Nick had finally remembered Carl's last name. It was Medora. I took one last look at the limes and ginger beer, now quite warm in the car seat beside me, muttered something censorable, and drove off. It was even hotter down in the produce district. And the knot on my head hurt even more as I told Carl's boss a big fat lie. Well, sir, Mr. Marlowe, I'm glad our Carl was a help to you out on the ridge route. Yeah, yeah, I'd like to thank him personally, if you don't mind. Oh, don't mind at all. Thing is, he won't be in anymore today. He got in early this morning from San Francisco, brought his load in. <laughs> I won't be in here again till tomorrow morning. Oh, he's going back to San Francisco, huh? Uh-huh, yeah, that's his run. Up to Frisco and back, lays overnight both places, loads up, starts out again. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Hey, say, tell you what I could do. I could give you his home address. Most likely that's where he is now. Don't know, of course, if you want to go to that much trouble just to thank him. Oh, yeah, I... yeah, I would. After all he's done for me, I'd really like to look him up. Carl's apartment building needed paint and better ventilation. It was near downtown L.A. in an area that should have been cleared for the freeway, but it hadn't been. There was no answer at apartment three. There wasn't even any sound behind the door, but I had the feeling that somebody was there. At the corner drugstore, I called the phone number Carl's boss had penciled under his address. I let it ring a long time, no answer. Well, my head wasn't the only thing that was giving me a rough time when I got back to Hollywood. My car had developed a regular list to the starboard side where Dom had rammed me. I limped into Nick's and he spotted the trouble right away. Yep, that's it, all right. Your front wheel alignment is knocked silly. I know just how it feels. We could fix it okay if you can leave the car with us a while. You can have it a week. I want to take my head home and bury it. Yeah, yeah, I bet. You got everything out of the car you want? Wait a minute, let me see. Limes, ginger beer. 
Everything but the down payment, I guess. Mr. Marlowe, what do you think? Oh, hello, Nick. What do you think, Mr. Marlowe? I don't know. You got me, Alex. I just got a phone call. It's Helena. From San Francisco? No, 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 no. Right here, Los Angeles. Oh, he's come real soon to see Alex. Hey, that's great, Alex. (laughs) Oh, it's very fine news. Oh, Nick, Nick, you see Dom. I have to find Dom for Helena when she comes, you know? No, no, Alex. I I haven't seen him. Oh, that's all right. If if you see him, either one of you, tell him, tell him, please. To come for Helena. Yeah, please. we will, Alex, oh, sure. Thank you very if much. we see him. Thank you. Thank you. Poor old guy. Yeah. I'm going home, Nick. You see Dom a car, let me know. I sure will, Mr. Marlowe. I'm getting home, Snooper. Well, the bottle, baby. I've been waiting to tell you something. Something maybe you missed when I said it in Salty. Now, look, all of a sudden I'm getting sick of you. Dom, you better quit while you're ahead. You better listen. I told you to stay out of my business. And now I'm telling you the same thing for Carl. You're doing nobody any favors going to his boss, poking around where you're not wanted. Tell Carl to come here and tell me that. If he comes, he'll really flatten you. Get out of here, will you? And get rid of that gin smell before you go home. That's something else. It's my business. Now, listen, you little punk. I ought to slap you silly, and I may. You let go of me, you Snooper. Now, get this. Helena's in town. What? She just called Alex. She's coming to see him. No. Now, go home and get cleaned up and behave yourself. Helena? Oh, no! He ran down the hall like he'd been fired on. And like I said, I was sick of it. The whole thing. Dom, Carl, whatever they were up to, I'd had it. Inside the apartment, I left the limes and ginger beer on a chair. Took the vodka straight. I don't know how long I was sprawled on the couch. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, that might be Carl. I'm waiting to see that boy. Oh, Mr. Marlowe. I didn't think you'd remember me, but uh, Carl said you wanted to see me, Mr. Marlowe. Helena. You do remember me? I didn't think you would. Sure. Sure, I remember you, Helena. It's been a long time. Yeah, long time. Long, long time. But I haven't changed, have I, Mr. Marlowe? No. No, Helena, you haven't. Liar! The men always have to lie. No, Helena, you haven't changed. You make me sick, Mr. Marlowe. Men make me sick. Have you seen your father yet? Shut up! No, I haven't seen him yet. Carl said to wait here. I'm sick of Carl telling me what to do. What's in the bottle, Jim? No, it's vodka. Doesn't matter. Uh, Tell me about your job, Helena. Give it to me, the bottle. Thank you. That's my job, Mr. Marlowe. You can forget anything with a bottle. Take it easy, kid, will you? Uh, Sure. Uh, Helena. (sighs) Helena. Oh, fine. You got her here? Yeah. She, uh, she passed out. She's over on the couch. Come on, Carl. It's okay, Dom. Better sleep it off. Yeah, what else? Well, Mr. Marlowe, beginning to get the idea? I guess I am. How long has she been like this? Oh, I don't know. Quite a while, I guess. I thought something was cockeyed when she was home last Christmas. And then, oh, late this spring, her letters to Dad got to reading kind of funny, though she sent to him. I hooked a ride with Carl here and went up to Frisco Found her. Well, how can she hold a job like this? Job? You well, got she... a drink to hold some jobs, Mr. Marlowe. Oh, I see. Never mind about her job. She's... She's sick. We brought her down here. Carl did. 
Now, now we don't know what to do. She can't see Dad like this. No. You're right, Dom. It'd kill him and her, too. She's uh, been staying in my apartment. Uh, I've been sleeping in my truck when I was in town. Dom stayed with her a lot of the time. Dom's been writing the letters to Alex for her, and you've been mailing him from San Francisco, huh? Yeah. That way, Alex didn't know, you see, but now that she's called him and said she was in town, I don't know. Dom's had a pretty tough time with her. She threw a glass of gin all over him today. Yeah, I know. It's not her fault. Sick, that's all. Well, we've got to do something. We will, we will, Don. I think maybe I can help you with that. I called a friend of mine, an MD with a small sanitarium in the Glendale Hills. He specialized in Helena's kind of sickness. We made a deal, and a half hour later, we took her there. It was going to take some time, but it was good building time. Don and I had our story pretty well rehearsed when we got back to Alex's. But I, I don't understand what, why she told you this. Why, why did she not call Alex? Now, look, Dom told you she was pretty disappointed in herself that she had to go right back to San Francisco. She oh. was afraid if she called you, she'd cry and get you all upset. Sure, that's right, oh. Dad. She thought it'd be easier for you this way. <laughs> oh, I, I, I think... Uh, he... Nice of Helena to think of her papa. It's nice. Yeah. She, she come soon again, no? As soon as she can, Alex. I don't think it'll be very many more weeks. Do you, Don? Oh, no, no. She'll be back before we know it, Dad. Oh, oh that, that's wonderful. Dominic, she, she looks good. It's well, yes. Oh, she... Well, you just wait till you see her. She'll look great, won't you, Mr. Martin? Oh, just great, Dom. Uh, Alex, I've got a hunch she'll be staying home. Quite a while after this. Oh, my. Helena home. Oh, it's good. It's so very good. Footnote. You can buy fresh-cut flowers again in front of Alex Lesnovich's fruit stall. They throw the smiles in for free. Even Miss Gabrielle's changed her mind about Dominic being one of those delinquents you'll read about. I learned something about him the other day myself. That kid can really paint a car. Well, so much for that. Cost? One Moscow mule. The Adventures of Philip Marlowe, bringing you Raymond Chandler's most famous character, star Gerald Moore, are produced and transcribed by Norman MacDonald and written for radio by Kathleen Height. Featured in the cast were Tony Barrett as Alex, Larry Dobkin as Dom, Georgia Ellis as Helena, and Paul Dubov as Nick, with Ruth Parrott, Frank Richards, Lou Krugman, and Jack Crucian. Gerald Moore may currently be seen in the Santana production, Sirocco. The special music for Philip Marlowe is composed by Pierre Garagank and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time when Philip Marlowe says... This time the main theme was Main Street, and the counter melody was full of shops from a burlesque house and flats from Skid Row. It was wine, women, and murder. <laughs> Tony Arden and tenor Frank Parker will be singing those brand new songs for sale introduced by Steve Allen tonight on most of these same CBS stations. Don't miss Ray Block's orchestra playing them, Steve Allen describing them, and more Tin Pan Alley notables judging them tonight when CBS Radio brings you a full hour of songs for sale. Friends, just as systematic exercise builds a strong body... So does systematic saving build a strong future. Save systematically for your future and for your country's future with United States defense bonds. It's easy, it's automatic, and there's no safer investment in the world. Defense bonds are guaranteed by your government. So for the defense of your future, for the defense of your country's future, buy your full share of United States defense bonds. 
This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is the CBS Radio Network. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Sam Spade Detective Agency. It's me, sweetheart. Risen from not one, but two deathbeds. Oh, Sam, I bet not. You wouldn't take that lying down. Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Well, you did first, Sam. I did not. Oh, you mean you actually Oh, don't pin me down. Anyway, I was present at two dying declarations. Would you believe, Effie, that a man could say something that wasn't true at a time like that? Oh, no. You mean a man would be lying on his deathbed? Oh, Effie, you made a joke. Oh, Sam, now stop it. I don't know what you It's all right, Effie. I forgive you. You can atone by telling me how wonderful you think I am. I think you're... That you may do when I arrive in a trice to dictate my report on the deathbed caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Tell me, mister... How many times a day do you have to comb your hair? Not many, I'll bet, if you groom it right, first thing every morning, with Wild Root Cream Oil. For this famous hair tonic grooms your hair neatly and naturally, and helps it to stay that way throughout the day. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. With Wild Root Cream Oil, you don't have to keep combing your hair every two minutes. (laughs) That is, unless your gal can't resist running her hands through it. Get Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Are asleep in the deep. Oh, Sam, you're a sailor. Captain Sam, or is the brig for you? You got your logbook handy, gal? Oh, yes, Captain. So beware. You make it that's awful deep. Be. Oh. Uh, date June 20th, 1948. Where? Oh, Sam. I have no shame. To uh, Marin County Sheriff's Office, San Rafael, California. Attention, Deputy Woodington from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Subject, the uh, deathbed caper. Dear Bill, the uh, dawn came up like thunder out of Chinatown across the bay. In San Francisco, all we could see was fog. But on your side, it must have lifted briefly because somebody named Dan Starbuck managed to find his way to a phone booth, call me, and ask me to meet him at the Third Street Pier in Sausalito. I didn't see him when I first got there. I didn't even see the pier. It was too foggy. But in the glow of the neon lights in front of the Viking saloon, I saw a man who seemed to be waiting for somebody. He was a big guy with a good face, but plenty of worry on it. Mr. Spade? Yeah, Mr. Starbuck? Dan Starbuck. Come on down to the end of the pier. I'll explain as we go along. we got to hurry. You act hot. You wanted for something? Well, not yet. What's the caper? Well, it... my brother's out there on his yacht, the Marguerite. He's dying. When he's dead, they may call it murder. I want to be there with a the witness. That's you. In case he has anything to say about who did it. Who did? They think I did. Did you? Honestly, I don't know. It happened the night before last. I went out there to see him. We've hated each other for years. We've both been drinking, and we drank some more. Then there was a fight. I drew a blank somewhere. Next thing I knew, it was around midnight. I pulled myself together, went into his cabin. Gordon was lying there with his head all kicked. I realized I 
It was covered with blood, and I was holding something in my hand. Big glass paperweight. I dropped it. I got out of there fast and swam ashore. I planned to tell you a different story, but that's it. You want the job or not? You think you'll make a deathbed statement that'll clear you, and you want me for a witness? Yeah, that's it. You got a lot of guts. I'm hired. Good. <laughs> Alberson? You down there? Halverson! Who's Halverson? Uh, he's a boatman. He'll row us out. Halverson! Hey, Nils! Donnie? Yeah. Is that you, Casino? Sure. Can I do you some favor? Uh, I want to go out to the Marguerite. I can't find Halverson anywhere. Well, I guess I can take you. Are you sure that yeah, you... I'm sure. Uh, uh, Sam Spade. Del Casino. He's the boatswain of Marguerite. Glad to meet you. Sam. Any front of Danny's. Hey, listen, Danny, you sure you want to go out there? Any reason why he shouldn't? Well, it's up to him. In his place, I would be on a freighter for China, way out there where the fog is more thicker. No, it's all right, Casino. I know what I'm doing. Well, uh, your friend, you, you excuse me, your name? Spade. You, pardon me, I better ask. The police don't want you for nothing? Not yet, but don't make book on it. Uh, push us clear, Danny. All right. This fog is closing in. But I can still see the lights from the Marguerite. I wish we don't find her. But we did. She was wearing clam diggers, an off-the-shoulder T-shirt, and was leaning against the rail as the dinghy pulled past a police launch and nestled in under the ladder of the yacht. Dell? Dell, is that you? Yes, Mr. Starbuck. Who is that with you? Keep quiet. Dell. Dell, what are they saying ashore about... Oh, I, I thought you... You're Mrs. Starbuck? Yes? I'm Sam Spade. I'm from San Francisco. I'm a detective. Your brother-in-law's in the boat. You captured him? He wants to come aboard. He wants to... Why? He's hoping your husband will say something to clear him before he dies. Is there any reason why he shouldn't come aboard? Oh, there's every reason in the world why he shouldn't. The police are in there with my husband right now. Yeah? The doctor says there's a possibility that he may regain consciousness long enough to make a dying declaration. Mm -hmm. if, if he's face to face with Dan, there's no telling what he'll say. I wish Dan wouldn't... My, my husband is dying. Dan? Yeah, what's he say? I don't know, but I think you'd better come aboard. He seemed almost delighted as he swung his weight up out of the dinghy and climbed the ladder. Del Casino, the bosun, followed, wearing a puzzled expression that turned to fear as we entered the cabin. The yellow glare from the lamp swinging overhead was almost blinding to walk into out of the foggy night. The first thing I focused on was the bunk that held the dying man. His head was heavily bandaged, his skin was chalk white, and his lips were beginning to turn blue. The room was tense with waiting. Ranged around him in a semicircle were the supporting players. Two doctors, one family type with a nurse, one police medic without, one sheriff with cigar, one police stenographer, female with pencil and notebook poise, nine-tenths of a widow, and us. At 18 minutes past seven, somebody moved. It was the dying man. The two doctors rushed forward, took his pulse and blood pressure. Let's go. Adrenaline 3 cc. Call me one solution. Oh. All right, Sheriff. He's conscious now, but uh, you'd better hurry. Margaret. Ah, uh, Mr. Starbuck. You can hear me all right? Take that down. Can you hear me? Affirmative answer. Now, Mr. Starbuck, we have to ask these questions. One, what is your name? Please try to answer what is your name? Gordon M. Starr. You got that? What is your name, Gordon M. Starr? That's close enough. Fill it in later. Now, Mr. Starbuck, where do you live? Uh, where do you live? I'm dead. You got that? 1277 Marymount, Pasadena. Hey. Now, Mr. Starbuck, let's try a little harder. Hmm? This is a long one. Have you been injured? What was the cause of your injury? Yes. Hurts my... You got that? Affirmative. Now the second part. What was the cause of your injury? Head. Huh? Head on head. Uh, do you believe that you're about to die as a result of your injuries and have you no hope of recovery? 
I know. Now let's get to the point. Who inflicted said injuries? Mr. Starbuck, please, you haven't much time, you know. Go away. Doc, is there anything you can do? I'm afraid not. This is ghastly. Can't you leave him alone? Can't you let him die in peace? What are you afraid of, Maggie? What are you afraid he'll say? All right. All right, tell them, Gordon. It was Dan that struck you, wasn't it? He was jealous. He always hated you for marrying me. It was Dan. Now, 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 Mr. Starbuck. I know how you feel, but we can't allow this sort of thing. Please step aside so we can finish up here. Uh, Mr. Starbuck. Uh, Doctor? Uh, very low pulse. I'm not sure. Dan. But... Dan. Is Dan here? Here I am, Gordon. Tell him. Tell him the truth. Do you identify this man, Mr. Starbuck? Got that brother Dan. He's, he's the one. He's lying. Gordon, you know who did it. Why don't you tell the truth? What do you got to lose now? Nothing. Nothing. I'm finished. Got that? You finished me. Gordon! Uh, Gordon, not yet. Uh, I'll come back. Uh, oh, Doctor, can't you? Can't... He's dead. Well. Okay, Doc. In a Starbuck, it is my duty as sheriff of this county to take you into custody on suspicion of murder. And I must tell you that anything you say may be held against you. You'd better come along too, Spade. Routine questioning, you know. Okay, Sheriff. Well, I don't think we'll need the handcuffs, will we, son? No, I'll go with you. Yes, indeed, son. It's always smart to come along quietly. Yeah. But this is as far as I'm Hey, Dan, come back here. Use your head. He only had one friend. It was the best friend in the world for a man on the land, the fog. The searchlights on the police launch spun frantically as the craft heeled around in a half circle to head him off. Instead of cutting the fog, the beams from the powerful lights bounced back from it and blinded the men behind them. After ten minutes of that, they gave up. The sheriff had a theory. Ah, uh, don't worry. Between the fog and the currents, I doubt if we'll make it. We'll probably recover the body in the morning. And they did. But it wasn't Dan Starbuck's body. It was the bosun, Del Casino. And he was found in Richardson Bay adrift in the dinghy from the Marguerite. Somebody had creased his skull with the same type blunt instrument that had been used on Gordon Starbuck. But Dell hadn't lived long enough to make a dying declaration. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead socially and on the job, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. And no wonder. It gives you the advantages that men consider most important. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally, relieves annoying dryness, and removes loose dandruff. What's more, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil is the only leading hair tonic that contains soothing lanolin. That's like the oil of your skin. So ask for Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. And now back to Caper with Two Deathbeds Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade The police theory of the Del Casino killing went something like this 
casino had shoved off in the dinghy to join in the search for Dan Starbuck, had rescued him and been maced for his pains. Also found in the dinghy, but not as yet worked into the police theory, were two items. One, a waterproof wallet containing the seaman's papers of one Nils Halverson. Two, a tattoo mark on the right bicep of the deceased. A small heart with a name in it, Maggie. The brand new widow of the same name was waiting in my office when I got there the following afternoon. Hello. Hello to you, Mrs. Starbuck. What can I do for you? Mr. Spade, I I know very little about the ethics of your profession and... Well, are are you still working for Danny? If you mean do I know where he is, the answer's no. I hoped you'd say that. Why? Because I want you to work for me. Need a new bosun? You needn't have put it quite so crudely. No, I needn't. Since your work is confidential, I'll admit I've... I've done a few things that... Well, it's all too true. My first mistake was marrying Gordon Starbuck when I didn't love him. And I should never have let myself fall in love with Dan. I certainly should have known better than to let Dell fall in love with me. What about Nils Halverson? And me? Well, hardly. No. Nils Halverson was employed by my husband for various odd jobs whenever we put in at Sausalito. Mostly he'd row the guests out to the ship. He rowed Danny out the night my husband was killed. At least I think he did. I didn't actually see him. Where's Halverson now? I don't know. He he goes off on drunks for days at a time, but... But, but I have a feeling that someone has paid him to disappear. He, he might have overheard something. Hold on a minute. He... You're going too fast. Are you uh, working up to a confession? Oh, no. It's... It's just that I'm afraid a great injustice may have been done to Danny. After all, Mr. Spade, a man who's dying, I don't see how he could be altogether in his right mind. Do you? The law says he is if he knows his name and address. A deathbed accusation is the strongest evidence a lawyer can shove at a jury. You can't cross-examine a dead man, and most people have the quaint idea that a man on his deathbed is a lot more truthful than he was when he was hale and hearty. Then you think Gordon may have been lying? Could be, or wool gathering, or picking up some of the lines you were feeding him. Oh, I I was just afraid he might die before he... You you see, I thought I might shock him into saying yes or no. He he could have said no, couldn't he? Well, make up your mind. Oh, all I know is it's on my conscience now. If we could find old Halverson and force him to tell what he knows. He's a very strange man. He's devoted to me, If the police find him before I do, he he might refuse to talk out of a mistaken loyalty. To you? Well, I I meant if he thought I had anything to do with the... Well, he's very strange. I told you that. What makes you so sure he's alive? Why wouldn't he be? If I'd been the killer and he'd rode me to and from the scene of my crime, I'd see him secured in Davy Jones' locker. Fish feed, lobster bait, asleep in the deep. Will you work for me? I'll let you know. I didn't have time to get tattooed, but the rest of me was marinated enough. On my head, I was wearing a dirtied-up yachting cap. And the rest of me, I was wearing a pea jacket, dungarees, and sea boots. I was also wearing clamshell number five as I rolled up to the Viking saloon. Well, what'd it be, mate? Uh, Arkevit and Vakta. Uh, have you seen my cousin? Your cousin? Who's your cousin, Prince Valiant? Uh, no, my cousin, Niels Halverson. Uh, Niels Halverson. Oh, no. You're Niels' cousin, hmm. are you? Yeah. Well, uh, coming from the old country? Yeah, uh, Minnesota. Uh, by you, Minnie. Well, no, he'll be right glad to see you then. Uh, where, uh, fair is he? I'll, uh, <clears throat> I don't want to say this too loud. Yeah. Bend over there. Yeah. He's in trouble, you know. Oh, yes. I got him holed up down below. Oh, yeah, come on, come on. Well, by golly, I sure been glad to be going to see my cousin Niels. <laughs> Niels Halverson. Drop the act and get down there. Hey! Okay, Joe, I'll take over from here. Easy, easy. Okay, Danny, me boy. I got his gun. But watch him now, watch him. He's full of smorgasbord. Well, Spade, you're the one person I didn't expect to see. But I'm very glad to. Yeah, I wish I hadn't found you. I wanted to find somebody else first. Halverson? Yeah. He's here. Want to see him? That's what I came for. And under here. Watch your head, low bridge. 
Here we are. Where? The boathouse under the pier. Harrison used to hole in here to sleep off his schnapps. Where's he now? Over here. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going to be a long time sleeping this one off. He'd been missing since that night. Nobody knew he was here till last night. I headed for the saloon when I swam ashore. Joe hit me out here. He could still talk then. What'd he say? I wrote it down here. But it's no help. Let's see it. It's just a jumble word. Uh, Marguerite. Marguerite. Merry Christmas drink. My beautiful Helga. Row, row your boat. Now throw me back. Row me back. Twenty dollars good and drunk. Fog rolling in. Good and drunk. Gonna be five days. No business. Oh, my head. Paint the boat. Oh, crazy stuff. Twenty dollars. Uh... Did you give him 20 bucks to row you out? I didn't even see him. I swam out. My loving brother wouldn't have let me on board if he'd heard me arriving like a gentleman. 20 bucks. Did you frisk him? No. I'll have a look. No, I don't... Hey, wait. Uh-huh. Real soggy, but a 20. I don't care. I'm sticking to my story. I swam out there. I didn't give him that 20. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't. Well, you gotta believe me. I didn't even have 20 bucks. That's why I Shut got... Shut up. What's the matter with you? What are you gonna do? Come over here, Dan. What? Hey. I don't believe a word of your story, and even if I did, it wouldn't make any difference. Well, what are you... Shut up. You're gonna stop talking and listen for a while. I stuffed a gag into his mouth and muscled him over to a piling and handcuffed him to it. He didn't even look surprised. He just stood there staring at me as if he'd lost his last friend in the world. But I wasn't looking at him as much as I was listening to those footsteps in the boards overhead. I waited for them to come back. They did. I walked across the soggy planks to where Nils Halverson lay in the shadows. Nils! I want you to answer these questions again. Now, this time, I'm going to take them down. You get lots of $20 and lots of drink. Now then, I know you don't feel so good. You don't have to talk if you don't feel like it. Just nod your head for yes and shake it for no. Okay, Nils? That counts in a court of law as long as there's a witness. Okay. Now, your name is Nils Halverson. Your address is 213 Bayview Sausalito. That's correct, is it? Nod your head. Good. Good. That proves you're in your right mind. You know you were injured. Yeah. You know the cause of your injury. Hit on the head and thrown over the side of your boat. What? Huh? Not from... Oh, dinghy. Well, it's the same thing. All right. Now, you know you're dying. You have no hope of recovery. That's obvious, but nod your head. That's the boy. Now, uh, Nils, on the night of the 18th, around 10 o'clock, after your usual working hours, you rowed somebody out to the yacht Marguerite in return for which this person gave you a $20 bill. This person is also the person who killed, who, in, who inflicted your fatal injuries. It is. Now, uh, the name of that person, if you can possibly speak even in a whisper, so there can be no mistake. Can you hear me? Just say it close to my ear. Yeah? Yes. Yes, I got it. That's all. Now, I know you don't write, Nils, but make your mark here. Come on, I'll guide your hand. There. Now we're going to take... Nils. Nils. Well, anyway. All right, Maggie. Come on in and join the party. Uh, don't try anything. The light's on you. I'm a better shot than you, and if there's a ruckus, the whole saloon will be down on us. They're all friends of Danny's, too. Stop there. Toss the gun. Okay. What's the matter, Angel? You look kind of scared. No. Just disappointed, that's all. Don't give up so easy, sweetheart. I always wanted to take a trip around the world. We might go on the Marguerite. Together. Yeah. Yeah, sailing into the sunset. Sleeping with our deathbed statements under each other's pillows. I see what you mean. I guess it wouldn't work. How much for yours, and what do we do about him? Dan? I'll take care of that. Throw it in with a deal. Okay. But I want it in writing. A little statement to the effect that I can keep under my pillow. Fair enough. 
Now, all I want from you is a little statement from you to this effect. That you, Marguerite Starbuck, employed Nils Halverson to row you out to the yacht on the night of the 18th, that you there overheard a quarrel between your husband and brother-in-law, and that taking advantage of said brother-in-law's inebriated condition, you sneaked up behind your husband, hit him with a paperweight, and decamped, leaving the murder weapon in Dan's hand. You then started back to shore in the dinghy, and realizing that the only witness who could testify you were aboard that night... All right, all right. All right, I'll sign it. Okay. We'll have plenty of time to put in all the legal decorations later. I'm afraid we won't, baby. You're going to be spending all your available time at the Hatchapi and points west. What are you talking you about? You just made a full confession in front of a witness. You heard it, didn't you, Dan? Every word. Oh, if I... Honest. An honest man. Well, I did tell a fib. Now, this is really going to hurt, I'm afraid, Maggie. You see, we didn't actually have any deathbed statement to match yours. No? No. Nils Halverson was a good deal too dead to have made a deathbed statement just now. He's been stiff for 12 hours. <laughs> Period, and a report. Well, Sam, I'll type this right up because then I'm leaving. Wait a minute, Effie. I had to do it that way. Don't you understand? Of course, Sam. I quite understand. But you object, huh? A cruel, ruthless, murdering, though beautiful woman, foiled by a clever ruse, a great acting performance by the greatest private detective of them all. Is that all? You're still leaving? Yes, Sam. I bagged the pack. Well, pardon me for having feet. <laughs> There's a reason, men. In fact, there are five big reasons why more men every day are turning to Wild Root Cream Oil for well-groomed hair. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms your hair neatly and naturally. Wild Root Cream Oil relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. Wild Root Cream Oil is non-alcoholic and contains soothing lanolin. Five big reasons why you, too, should join the millions with handsome, well-groomed hair. Why you should step up to your drug or toilet goods counter and ask for Wild Root Cream Oil. Get the big economy bottle and the handy new tube that's easy to pack when you travel and just right for the office or plant. Also, ask your barber for a professional application of Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Well, here it is, Sam. Goodbye. Now, wait a minute, Effie. You can't leave like this. Not without... Oh, all right. I'll talk to you while I'm putting my hat on. Well, can't you at least look at me? After all, you should give me a chance to justify... Sam, apparently you're laboring under an apprehension. Of course I am. Oh, boy, am I glad I picked the last in June and the first in July. What are you talking about? My vacation. Vacation? You just had a vacation a few months back. Well, Sam, that's a year. Well, if you want to take advantage of a legal technicality... Now, Sam, don't say goodbye, man. Well, it... Well, it's customary, I suppose. It's lucky that some of us keep our nose to the grindstone, our ear to the ground... An eye to the future. Huh? Television's just around the corner, you know. Oh, Sam. <laughs> Come here, sweetheart. You look lovely in it. Come here. Have a wonderful time. <laughs> oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Come here. <gasps> now go on. You miss your train. Uh, where are you going? The Los Sierras. Well, just so you don't go to Canab, Utah. All right, Sam. You know best. Good, good night. Good night, Sierra Sue. Now, who can we get for that part next week? The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd, with musical direction by Lud Gluskin. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade, brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
that's it for Case Closed for this week. Hope you enjoyed today's show. You can find more from Marlowe and Spade, past episodes of Case Closed, and thousands of other old-time radio shows at relicradio.com. Don't forget you can donate through there as well if you'd like to help support this and all of those shows. Thanks again to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Be back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed. Thank you.